Welcome to the Power of Property podcast. I am your host, Ellie Mackay, a property investor and developer. And this podcast is for anyone who shares my passion for property. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, I want to take you to the next level. I'm going to be bringing some real chat with some of the UK's leading property entrepreneurs. We'll be sharing wisdom and industry insights without any of the BS. Property's absolutely transformed my life and I know it has the potential to change yours too. Enjoy. On this week's episode of The Power of Property, I'm joined by a really special lady. She prefers to duck under the radar, but sometimes people's success speaks so loudly that you just can't ignore them. In three short years, Sarah McDermott has built an eight-figure property portfolio alongside her husband, Sean. What she's achieved is nothing short of a phenomenon. She specialises in high-end, exquisite luxury service accommodation. I've personally had the pleasure of staying at two of her beautiful properties and they are absolutely stunning. This lady is an absolute powerhouse. She's fabulous and I can't wait to share her story with you. It's going to be a good one. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Power of Property where I'm joined by the fabulous Sarah McDermott. Now, Sarah is an absolute superstar in the property world, as most of you guys will already know. So thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. (laughs) And we're actually here at one of Sarah's beautiful um, holiday homes, a service accommodation, which is smack bang in the centre of York. And it's bloody lovely, I've got to say. So thank you for letting us stay. Oh, you're more than welcome. We're completely (laughs) taken over, haven't we, with all our recording (laughs) equipment. Um, So for any of the listeners who don't know who you are Sarah alongside your husband Sean you've done some phenomenal stuff can you just give us a little bit about your background yeah okay so um so I became an accidental landlord in 2006 yeah. um, when I sold a house and it just wasn't a good sorry couldn't sell a house it wasn't a good time to sell so I just decided to rent it out instead um had a little dabble with a couple of buy to lets back then but didn't yeah. really know what I was doing I was doing them all wrong we had them all on repayment mortgages we were doing any work in them ourselves and yeah. basically they, it, they just paid the mortgages that's all they did I just saw them as an income for the future um I was working as a private investigator. Okay. Uh, so I did that for a few years and yeah. Sean was in construction and as a private investigator, people think it's very glamorous and exciting, but a lot of the time you just sat in a car on a surveillance job and like you can't move for like eight hours at a time. You've got to sit there, see if that man comes out of that house, film it all and obviously sat there in the car bored stupid so I used to listen to a lot of audio books so one day I listened to uh, Rob Moore's book Money yeah and I thought oh I like the sound of this um then listened to the 44 um secrets of property investment like the, literally the next day yeah within the space of a month I'd listened to all of their books and oh, wow. you know Rob's and Mark's as well um and you know said to my husband wow you know we've just got to do this we can now i can see now how this can make us money now we've got the skills to do this i know we have let's just do it so we're both very quite impulsive people and we decided to just just basically turn it on on its head ditched our jobs on that day (laughs) and went full-time into property wow yeah just like that's it so um, i mean we're both self-employed anyway well sean was subcontracted to work for a big um, construction company um so we both said yeah don't want to do this anymore we're going to do property so we took a huge leap of faith yeah just Um, a bit and that would probably, for most people, that would be stupid. So I'm not recommending <laughs> that you do that. We had no income and we lived off credit cards for a few months. Yeah. 
and obviously having two kids and a dog to feed you know there's a little bit of pressure there um but we just knew that we could do it and i think for us that just strengthened the motivation you know because it's like you've got to make this work otherwise you've got your backs against the wall as yeah. tony robbins says burn the ships burn the bolts you know i don't yeah. i don't know if you've heard that story well yeah yeah that's it probably we, just we burn everything <laughs> I, I think it's important because it's, it's very similar to us in the sense that I got made redundant at the back end of my maternity leave. Mm. I was claiming job seekers allowance and I literally used, I got paid £7,000 redundancy, which is exactly what we needed to pay for our education and property. Yeah. And people thought we were insane. Um, we then joined some high-level masterminds. We put them on credit cards. We sold our family home and moved into a rental and invested all that money. And for the majority of people, that is definitely the the wrong course of action. But it sounds like you and Sean are of a similar kind of We did exactly the same thing. So we went down to the Masopi then at Progressive. Yeah. And um, I went down, you know, tight Yorkshire woman, arms crossed. I am not spending <laughs> a penny. I know they're going to be upselling like mad. I'm not spending a penny. Got down there, third day, spent £50,000 on a credit card. <laughs> Literally bought the whole lot. Did you buy the company? <laughs> bought everything, bought everything. Bought the Plutonium Plus package, including the trip to Cayman for me and Sean. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've been out to Cayman on the last Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that then? Oh, it was amazing. It was a really amazing experience, um, you know, be, being out there in a different environment, schmoozing with all these different people. It was fabulous. And the people that we met... On the Cayman retreat, we have actually done business with since oh, yeah. in lots of different forms. One of them is one of our business partners on the Maison Parfait Ellis One. Yeah. Um, another one I've mentored. Another one has invested money with us. Wow. Um, yeah, and we've just kept really good contacts. I mean, even Gerald Ratner, who was there, you know, he still keeps in touch with us now. You oh, know. he's lovely, isn't he? He's Gerald? so sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was really good. It was really good. And then we followed that up when we got back with the one-to-one uh, mentoring with uh, Rob and Mark as well. Wow, so. so there's a lot to unpick there. So, so you're at Masopi, you've uh, put 50 grand in a credit card. Yeah. What, what specific property training did you do at that point then? Well, to be honest, we didn't really do a massive amount. Um, we kind of booked everything. The, re- the reason I wanted to, to do that is because I wanted to go on holiday to Grand Cayman. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm doing this one. But when you bought the Plutonium Plus package, you got everything as well. Yeah. You got all the courses. Um, so we went on the... Um, the first one I went on was the Raising JV Money... I can't remember what the, the exact word for it was, but it was with Tony Gargan. Oh, yeah. And she was great. She was really inspirational. Um, and so we went away feeling fully confident in raising investor finance. And yeah. I think the week before we'd gone to that, I was like, we wanted to buy one of the first houses we bought then. It was 10 grand. We bought this house for 10 grand. And I was like, who's going to lend us 10 grand? And I couldn't fathom the fact that somebody would want to lend us 10 grand. Hang on, how did you buy a house for 10 grand? It was, the, it, it, you know, when sometimes you just get a gift from the universe. Yeah. <laughs> that was I don't one get of the, enough of those gifts. That was one of the, those moments um so one of our tenants that we had at one of our buy to lets that we'd acquired a few years back um sent rung me one day and he says are you all right love do you want to buy a house for 10 grand and i said yes i do and he says do you want to come and see it and he said i says yeah but i'll have it I'm like why why is this house for 10 grand anyway we went down to see it, a place in rotherham um quite a low-end area but even on the day that we bought it the house was worth forty thousand pounds so the guy who was selling it to us, his wife had died in the house a year ago, but before she died, her father had died the week before and, and he'd inherited a house from her father and was really happy there and just wanted rid of the house. And I even said to him, are you sure you don't want more than 10 grand? He was like, no, love, just take it off my hands. Um, and and he just he just gave us it for 10 grand. Wow. Yeah. 
I tried to give him a free holiday in France as well. She had a holiday home in France and he, he didn't take it. <laughs> he just wouldn't take it. So on the day that we purchased that house, um, we took out a bridging loan on it yeah. um, to get another £30,000 out of it yeah. to put down as a deposit for a HMO that we then completed on a couple of weeks after. So we, wow. so we basically, we'd given up our jobs and then literally a month later we bought two houses um, very quickly. Uh, with this magical £30,000 gift from the universe that seemed to come to us. Then I'd, I'd, then I'd done um, Tony Gargan's course on raising JV finance, and yeah. then we just seemed to be flying then. We just, I suddenly, you know, as soon as it switched on in my head that actually I can do this, of course people want to lend us their money. We're going to do something fabulous with it. They're going to get a great return. What's not to like? Yeah. Um, and then I, I went from not even being able to fathom why someone had lend us 10 grand to yeah. raising 600 grand in a weekend just with a few phone calls, you Fantastic. know. So that was a really pivotal moment. Um, and that that was the main thing um the other courses some of them i still haven't done um but one of them was the property sourcing course we'd already started sourcing property as well because we were viewing a lot of properties and we thought some of them are you know really great deals even though we were obviously going to pick the best one for us yeah we can source the rest of them so we'd taken on christine at that point to run the sourcing company for us so we sent christine to do the property sourcing course which i thought well why not there's no point me doing it when I'm going to outsource that job anyway. So Christine went on that one. So that was useful as well. But I think that, you know, the, the, the best thing for us was the Cayman. Yeah. The Cayman adventure, because it was an adventure. And we met so many great people that we've stuck with now. Um, and also, you know, the, obviously the one-to-one -one mentoring as well, because that's more focused on what you're actually doing. But a lot of the, I mean, we've never done any of the, we never did the SA course. And obviously, SA so, is what we do. <laughs> well, yeah. But so, so for anyone who's not familiar with the um, the property jargon, SA is, is service accommodation, which is your, your holiday homes, which is what you specialise in. And you just mentioned you, you already had a holiday home in France prior to getting going full-time in property. Yeah, again, that was a kind of accidental um, acquirement of ours. So yeah. it, it, was a, it was a house that my dad owned in France and he um, wanted to gift it to me and my brother mm -hmm. um, because he, he was frightened of what would happen with the French inheritance tax and everything in the future but my brother um, didn't want has absolutely no interest in the house in France but needed the money so on the same day that my dad gifted the house to me and my brother I bought my brother out of his inheritance on it at the mm. same time so I'd refinanced my house over here yeah. to get the money out to buy him out of his inheritance on it so I just ended up with this home in France that actually my dad still lives in the very end it's a, it's a big farmhouse divided into several different sections my dad lives in the end then we've got an apartment that's let out on booking.com yeah. we don't take the income from it my dad is over there he sorts it out and he just takes the income but then yeah. we've got upstairs we've got this fabulous room which is it's like huge open plan barn we've got a stage there for live music we've got a bar up there we've got it's like a full games room full-size roulette table ping pong everything <laughs> or beer pong actually is what happens on there most of the time <laughs> well Sarah is a woman after my own heart because we've just been chatting and um, Sarah's uh, actually having not just a party this weekend for your daughter's birthday but you, you know how to do things properly you're you're having a proper festival aren't we're you? having a festival yeah like, like and I mean like no it's, holds barred is there no no I've just been ordering glow stick and uh, glow sticks and festival bands this morning we've got fire show we've got all sorts of things going on yeah live live bands djs and and everybody's coming dressed as rock stars or oh pop stars as well it'll be really funny the next morning because there'll be all these like disheveled rock stars crawling around <laughs> the gardens. 
<laughs> so have you always just been somebody that goes all in with things? Yes. Mm. Yeah. I'm definitely an all or nothing kind of girl. Yeah, I'm sensing yeah. that about you. Yeah. <laughs> so go on. You. So you, you, I've mentioned a few times that you partnered, you went into business with your husband, Sean. Um, yeah. Now... <laughs> Asking for a friend here. Now, I know from personal experience how challenging that can be, especially yeah. in the early days. What was your experience when, um, obviously, partners in life, soulmates, but it's a very different dynamic, isn't it, when you go into business? It is. And we have to, um, you know, we have to sometimes, you know, draw that line and say, look, this was business, you know, mm. we're talking, because I, I can be quite um, demanding, let's say. <laughs> What's the word for it, isn't it? A bit like Veruca Salt. <laughs> <laughs> I can be demanding and I just like to get things done. So I'm, I'm all very good at giving instructions like bang, 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 bang to people and do this yeah. and do this. And I can be quite short and I don't mean it to be like that. In my head, I'm, I'm sounding jolly and happy and positive. Yeah. In other people's heads, they might think that was quite rude. Direct. <laughs> yeah, direct assertive. is the word. Yeah, not very bossy. assertive. <laughs> Definitely not bossy. <laughs> But when it's shown, he gets upset sometimes. He's like, well, how do you talk to me like that? And I'm like, well, I was just giving you a simple instruction. I was just trying to get it out quickly because I've got a zillion other things to do. Yeah. So when I said, can you go do that, please? That's, or sometimes I might miss the please off the end. <laughs> can you go do that? You know. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, you know, that, that can get a bit muddled up sometimes. It can be lost in translation sometimes. But um, other than that, we do work very well together. We know that our roles are completely different. Sometimes Sean does, um, you know, get, get above his station a little bit and tries to give me an idea on interior design, which I always usually deflect. And then he gets upset and says, why am I never allowed to choose anything, though? And I'm like, but that's not your job. Yeah. Your job is to do this. And that is my job. And, yeah. you know, I love to do the interior design. Yeah. Sometimes he has a great idea about something that should go in, you know, yes. and, that, and that, you know, I'll take those things on board. But, it, but when it comes to design elements, he's not, that's not his his skill yeah um but other than that we know that our roles are different i'm very sort of living in the future all, all the time very much a visionary very much focused on the next thing mm-hmm. uh, whereas sean he keeps my feet on the ground he's yes. he's the rock he's the one who stabilizes everything if it was just left down to me it wouldn't be very successful because i'd be off you know doing all these other things and forgetting about what's actually going on on the ground right now oh my god i feel like you're like my sister from this is exactly what i mean i i'm exactly like you mark's the glue that holds it together yeah uh, you know I, I have a lot of the, the the visions and the ideas and drive things forwards but i tell you what if it, if it wasn't for mark keeping my feet in the ground would be bankrupt 10 times over because yeah. i just start things i'm on to the next um, but with so many different strategies so many different ways to make money in property what made you decide to focus not just on the the service accommodation but you've really went for you've niched down haven't you to the high end of the market is yeah. real five star like accommodation that's it yeah well i'm going to go um, um to tony robbins here yeah um one of his um famous sayings that he says you know like outstanding if you go to outstanding then the difference in what you can command is is outstanding <laughs> you know yeah. so there are lots of holiday homes on the market most of them are kind of mediocre mm-hmm. if you look for places in the Yorkshire Dales most of them are a bit dusty old pine furniture basically things that people didn't want in their own houses 
get chucked into there. Yeah. Um, then you get some nicer ones, you know, where people have made a bit of an effort. You can see they've actually been to Ikea and bought some furniture. Yeah. You get some nicer ones still where they might have gone to like Barker and Stonehouse and bought a few bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, but if you just go up to that very next level where, you know, we spend a fortune on some of our furniture. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Our beds are two grand each. You know, yeah. we spend a fortune on lovely mattresses. This sofa that we're sitting on now, this £6,000 sofa, yeah. not many people will go to that level. Yeah. of expense in a holiday home but then the um you know the rewards that you get from that are absolutely massive yeah because not only do you get it back on the valuation at the end yeah. but you then get a, a much much greater income yeah. you know what we what we can command price wise is often double or sometimes treble what other properties are commanding in those areas yeah you know um and you know even though we've spent a bit more on the furniture at the outset it's well worth it you know you can get we can get the price of this sofa back in one booking for a few nights here yeah you know that's it it's paid for the sofa and it's ours forevermore yeah so it's it really is well worth it the other thing as well like I just said the valuations yeah you know we always get we always get um, a rick's valuation done when we purchase a property to tell us what it's going to be worth when it's done yeah but we always absolutely blow that valuation out of the water yeah. and even though people say oh yeah but the, the, the furniture don't count they don't count the furniture when they're valuing a property i can tell you for a fact they do they mm -hmm. don't count the actual furniture in the valuation uh -huh. but fabulous furniture in a place gives it a real high-end look and that just increases its value Wow. So, so, so how did it come about then? How did you realise that this was going to be such a lucrative strategy? Well, when uh, when we first started out, we bought the ten thousand pound house. Yeah. Straight away, we bought the HMO. So we first we had a buy to let, and then we had a HMO. So yeah. I kind of like tested every strategy, and then decided let's go for um, a holiday home. I've yeah. always wanted to live in the Yorkshire Dales. It's not practical to live there; it's too yeah. remote. But let's get a holiday home there. Yeah. So we did. And it, that was Ayers Garth Nook, and that's when I fell in love with serviced accommodation. Um, we got that property and immediately got a local management company to come round. Um, and they, you know, I thought, oh, they're going to say it's going to be like £800 a week or something we'll get for it. They came and took a look round. We'd already done the structural stuff, so we'd ex built the extension at the back, done a loft conversion mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they were like, right, will you be looking at £1,500 a week? And I was like, really? God, that's miraculous. I didn't realise it would be that much. When we'd furnished it, they came back, they said, you're looking at two and a half to three grand a week. Oh. They then put it on, they put it online. Within three days, they phoned me up and said, you're getting far too many bookings. We need to hike your prices up. They nearly <gasps> doubled the prices again. Yeah. No. So, so it's almost... you. Not not by accident, but you had no idea. I didn't the know power of the strategy. Really. I didn't know no because all I knew is what we'd paid for holiday homes in the Yorkshire Dales yeah. before, um, and you know for a five bedroomed house it could have been anywhere between sort of eight hundred and fifteen hundred pound a week. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realise what people would actually pay if we mm -hmm. just went to that higher level. Now the reason I did Ace Garth Nook to such a high level is because I'm a real fussy pants when I go anywhere on holiday. Yes, and I want it to be at least as nice as my own home yeah but we, we just spoke about this didn't we before we started filming because yeah. I, I just found myself looking for a short family break i've got three children and it's i'm far more value driven than price I mean, we yeah. all want to get a bargain but the thought of paying well over the odds for accommodation that's nowhere near the standard of my own home it just doesn't sit right with me at all no and, and as an entrepreneur you've solved that problem which is is always a 
a great business model, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So that's so really, I mean, when we bought Ayers Gap as well, we were thinking, oh, we'll have a few holidays here ourselves. Yeah. So I want it to be lovely. So we went and bought all our furniture from Holster, Heels, yeah. Caligaris, Bow Concept, yeah. everywhere bloody expensive, basically. <laughs> I mean, it looks fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> it is fabulous. Um, but it did, you know, we spent a pretty penny on the furniture. Yeah. But then, oh, it came back in no time at all, that money. Wow. You know, you Can know. you talk us through some of the numbers for, for one of your projects or, or just a stereotypical project? Yeah, so, well, this one here that we're in at the moment yeah. um, in York, we purchased this one for 450000 yeah. We spent eighty seven on the actual refurb uh-huh. and then we got it revalued at 950000 Um We also spent about 50000 on furniture mm-hmm. in here. Um, I mean, some things we spend a fortune on, Mm -hmm. but then other things you can pick up at a massive bargain. I mean, you guys can't see this, but over there, there's a cabinet in the room that was 20 quid off eBay and I just painted it up myself. The dining table, another fabulous dining table in there, that's an old French cheese press and I got it for 83 quid off eBay. Wow. Good old eBay. But you chuck these few little things in, you know, that are nice. It's nice to put a few vintage pieces of furniture in as well. Yeah. And, you you know, it it really makes a difference to your budget. Yeah. But it makes it more interesting as well because nobody else has got a table like that wow. nobody else has got a unit like that you know so it's these little little bits and pieces that you can save some money on um and also once you get to know your suppliers and things you know you do get a big discount the guys who do our beds are all bespoke made in in britain but they knock us 35 percent off the beds now nice. we get all our kitchens from casella so they cost a fortune but yeah. we get huge discounts there as well um, you know, and the, 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 more, the more that you work with people and the more that you let them know what you're going to be doing next and what's mm-hmm. in the pipeline next and they can see that you're going to be doing a lot of this. Well, that's it. They're happy to work with you, you know. I, I'm a great believer that relationships are the highest form of currency and I think yeah. when, when you can sell yourself and sell your vision in the early days when you've not got that track record, it, it can make all the difference. Oh, yeah. Um, but what kind of what kind of numbers are you able to command then for um, a, a, an overnight here? We're smack bang in the middle of York Centre, four big bedrooms and a cinema room. Yeah, so the the highest price that we that we charge here is eighteen hundred pounds a night. Yeah. Um, the lowest price is about six fifty seven hundred. That's midweek out of season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you were so. telling me that even prior to lockdown and COVID. You were actually operating on a 90% occupancy rate. Yeah, so the, the only one that we actually had that was fully up and running before COVID, that had been up and running for any you know length of time, was Aysgarth Nook. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the year that COVID struck, we were 90% occupied already mm-hmm. from March through to the end of September. Wow. So that just shows to people, because I, I know probably people who are going to get into SA now might be thinking... Oh, but you know, will it still be the same after everything's settled down and people can all go abroad freely again? Yeah. Will people still want to do the staycations? And what I would say is yes, if you do it to a really nice standard like we did. Yeah. You know, of course people are gonna to want to go there because a lot of people might book their two-week holiday in Mallorca, but they still mm. want to have several weekend breaks Absolutely. or even midweek breaks, girls' yeah. weekends, family and friends meeting up. I think one thing that COVID has done has made us all realise just how precious that togetherness is in Absolutely. that time together. And you just don't get that same thing from a hotel as what you get in a, in a private holiday home. Um, and going on from that as well I think another thing that we've tried to do is we've tried to bring in all the great service that you can get in a hotel so all our guests get full concierge service they can book our private chefs they can book in-house spa treatments they can book a cocktail masterclass evening all those things they can do in the private holiday home with us 
so it basically removes that that lack of a restaurant that they might get yeah. in a hotel or that lack of a spa that they might get in a hotel because they can do all that still here in their own private environment wow with the big social space you know wow so you've nice. literally thought of of everything so whilst everybody else well not everybody else but but whilst half the country were sort of sat on furlough you were pretty busy through lockdown, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was thinking of all sorts of things. Well, that the idea for the private chefs came up through through lockdown, actually, because obviously the restaurants were closed. And when holiday homes were open to families, they could have a meal here. Mm-hmm. So that really worked. And that's something that we've, you know, we've, we've kept on. Because yeah. um, I think offering the private dining is, is a big thing. Yeah. But you've went on to, you mentioned you only had one um, luxury SE up and running at the point of lockdown. And yeah, we- well, we did. We had uh, we, the one that's in the centre of Harrogate. That was up and running. Yeah. Uh, but we were having an issue with a bad management company that were looking after it for us. Um, and basically, they weren't marketing it properly. They refused to market. They, they wouldn't reduce the price for more than one night stays. They wanted everybody to just stay for one night uh-huh. because they were getting a fee off the top of the cleaners, yeah. <laughs> basically, as well as charging the management fee. Yeah. So it worked out better for them. But it's no good when you're trying, you know, people were just basically booking one night because if they looked for three nights it'd look really expensive yes. you, you get a reduced rate basically the more nights you stay so that wasn't working well um, and then this place had only just been finished at the Christmas and mm-hmm. obviously it, it went in yeah it went into lockdown in the March so yeah. it, nothing really had a fair crack of the whip and then Leeds and Robin Hood's Bay were both com- and, and Nidsley Hall were all completed during lockdown so when Boris announced that the country's going into full lockdown that word unprecedented times Mm. talk us through how you were feeling how it impacted your business obviously the hospitality industry was was just decimated wasn't it yeah i mean it was it was frightening um and pretty much in the first lockdown we had to refund about 125 grand in bookings pretty much overnight which were terrifying um and obviously we took advantage of, of all the things that were coming to i mean we, we did get a few grants but the grants were very low mm-hmm. um i don't think it was really done very well because people like you know there might have been a takeaway down the road mm-hmm. who usually turns over five grand a month who were actually turning over 10 grand a month then because they were a takeaway and they were still yeah. allowed to be open um and they were getting a ten thousand pound loan and one of our properties um said said this one which might turn over twenty thousand a month we're still yeah. on still getting the ten thousand pound and we're completely shut down and that you know the ten thousand pound was for three months you know so yeah. They, they barely, they, they didn't, they were, they didn't pay the bills and the mortgages. Um, we had to take some bounce back loans in the various companies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so now obviously we've got those to pay back. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite that, we did still manage to make a fantastic profit mm-hmm. in the year of COVID just through the developments that we've got. So, mm-hmm. so we we lost about five hundred grand in bookings revenue, mm-hmm. but we we made a profit of one point two million on the developments that we were doing. So overall, it balanced and. During the, you know, during the COVID year, I think I spent much of the year whinging and moaning and complaining. It had been a bad year all round mm-hmm. um, because there was COVID. Sean and I and my um, youngest daughter, Lorraine, had been in a nasty car accident oh, in the year as well. Goodness. Yeah, and then Sean's mum passed away and my uncle, who was my best friend, he passed away too. So oh. it was just a horrible, horrible year and it just felt really negative and it kind of dragged me down a little bit. I'm usually such a positive, upbeat person. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot to 
put me on a downer but I was on a bit of a downer and then at the end of the year I was actually here actually at Christmas and went and bought myself a new notebook which was very exciting I love a new notebook <laughs> and I decided to write down in this notebook everything positive that had happened during the year mm-hmm. and do you know what I wrote and I wrote and I couldn't stop writing then and I realized all the connections I'd made all the lovely people I'd met and when I actually totaled it up and realized we'd actually made even despite the losses we'd still made a profit of more than 700 grand and I thought Oh, well, that's not too shoddy then, is it? For for the year of COVID, if we can do this, exactly. then what can we achieve without COVID? So I felt really empowered then. And that's... I got I got my mojo back in a couple of hours with a notebook. <laughs> that's, that, that's amazing. And, and I, I know that, you know, through other chats that we've had, how much value you place on the mindset and some of the um, the more spiritual stuff, just, just the self-care. Yeah. Really. And, and there's a reason for that because... This is not for the faint-hearted, is it? No, it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. There was at one point last year when we were working on Robin Hood's Bay and I actually had a black... I'm calling it a mini-nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a mini-nervous breakdown and I just found I couldn't cope with anything. I was bursting into tears all the time. I was shaking uncontrollably, didn't know what was going on and I felt mm-hmm. at one point I had a really scary moment of feeling like my brain was actually shutting down, mm-hmm. like I couldn't concentrate, nothing was real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just took myself out of the situation immediately and went to an Ayurvedic treatment centre for a week mm-hmm. which really brought me back into balance mm-hmm. and you know I, I, I wouldn't say it was gone in a week yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it regulated it and I was able to you know get back and feel a bit more normal but I did sort of take a bit of a step back then and thought wow you know this is too much mm-hmm. even for me I've always been very capable and taken on far too much and I've always managed that before but mm-hmm. I thought no it's it is it is um, madness <laughs> it is I was at the time I was running uh, nine developments four of them for us five of them for other people and it was just through Covid with everything on a delay prices going through the roof uh, you know everybody off work tradesmen mm-hmm. off work it would just a nightmare mm-hmm. it was just a nightmare so I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy so mm-hmm. I would say you know don't try to do too much at once <laughs> yeah. it's not very clever um, and yeah you do really need to look after your mindset it's you know you, you can't run on on empty mm-hmm. you can't just keep doing that to yourself you've got to look after yourself and make sure that your health is sorted out first and then everything else can run smoothly behind that but you know unless you've got your own mental health um, sorted then um you've no chance. <laughs> and I think it's important because so many people see what you're doing and they, quite rightly, they're inspired by your story, by your journey, what you're achieving. And it's like the, the swan analogy because we see these pictures of your beautiful, high-end, gorgeous, stunning properties. Um, and I, I think sometimes there's a tendency for outsiders to not quite grasp the amount of work that goes behind the scenes yeah that's it well they don't see all that do they yeah Um, maybe I should post it more on Facebook all the traumas and the (laughs) the trials and tribulations that we go through um but yeah they they just don't see that they just see the end result and think wow that's fantastic you're lucky you're lucky yeah very lucky but what do you normally do then I know you went to the IV what what kind of things do you normally do to look after yourself and work on your mindset yeah so well I meditate every day um, at least twice a day in our new home actually we've just installed a yoga meditation studio so that's nice yeah I've got my little buddhas up on the shelf (laughs) so yeah that's really nice so um, not that I've been in there to do any yet (laughs) because it's uh, it's only just been finished but yeah yeah, so that so that's it 
you know, meditating is for me, it's just like recharging your battery. Mm -hmm. It really is so important. Um, yeah, and taking time out for exercise and things as well. Yeah. I did used to go to the gym religiously before I started doing property. I used to go, because when I was a private investigator, I used to do a lot of work in the afternoons and evenings. Yeah. So I used to go do several classes during the day, go for a swim, hang out poolside with a couple of friends, you know, yeah, yeah. really nice. that was really nice, really good for the soul as well as for the body. Yeah. I was so much fitter and so much slimmer, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm going to have to ask, it's not property related, but can you give us a little bit of scandal about what life as a PI? What kind of things were you working on? Oh, well, a lot of marital things, okay. uh, but I specialised in close contact body surveillance. I was I was under I had undercover cameras on me, and I had to actually go into places um, where so and so might be out with his secretary, for instance, okay. and find out exactly what they're doing, what they're up to. Sit on a table opposite them, film the whole thing, um, and then if they go to the bar, follow them to the bar and try and get you know record the conversation that they're having and all sorts of things like that. Um, so now I wasn't a honey trap. A few people have asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> I think my honey, my honey ship sailed many years ago. <laughs> it's just so diverse, isn't it? From from property. Yeah. How did you get into it? Well, I worked um, so. Years ago, I actually had an accident management company many years ago, um, and then that kind of morphed into doing some legal investigations work. And then we had a couple of the solicitors that we worked with used to ask us to do the odd surveillance job. Or well, can you just go down to that taxi company and you know this is a description? Can you get the registration number of that car? Or can you follow yeah. this person and see if they are actually really you know injured? Are they actually in a wheelchair or they not? Yeah. That kind of thing. And I thought, do you know what? I've always quite fancied being a private investigator. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> So I just decided one day I was going to do it. Um, I had a look to see if you needed any qualifications and you didn't. So yeah. I just I just went and got myself all the um, video recording equipment. Um, you can get some really funny things, by the way. I mean, I've got like the cam standard things, which I've still got. Actually, I've still got like, you know, my undercover cameras sewn into jackets and things with a little button. That's just it's just a button, but it's a camera. Um, and then I've got like key fobs um, that are night vision cameras. I've got a pen that you can leave in an office for two days and it'll record <gasps> everything in there. Um, but one of the funniest things that you can get, which I, I never bought, one because I just think it's hilarious you can actually buy your husband a tracker belt so he'll put this belt on and it'll tell you where he is at all times and if the belt comes off it sounds an alarm wow <laughs> so you know if he says he's working late and actually he's in the Hilton Hotel and his belt comes off <laughs> uh... it's like I, I can't get my head around it I mean, like for me I mean this is really simplistic but surely if you get to that point in a relationship where the trust's been eroded like that's it yeah you, you, that, that's alarm bells isn't it, it is it really is yeah but yeah you can buy these things i mean you can buy i'm always very wary when i go in anywhere because you can buy um cameras that look like an air freshener <gasps> looks like a phone charger just looks like these like inner objects that you'd normally find somewhere that you won't think anything of and it's it's an undercover camera wow or it's a recording device there's so much of it What's the funny, funniest thing that, or, or outrageous thing that you kind of witnessed then in that role? Um, I don't. I don't know if there was. I, I mean, there, there wasn't really anything funny, funny because it wasn't really a funny thing to be. <laughs> but this, I think the oddest one that I ever had to do was I had to um, befriend somebody and find out if they had a stammer because they were called as a witness in a rape case in court and they said that they couldn't give it evidence because they had a really bad stammer right. so i had to find out whether that person actually had a stammer or not all right so i just thought that was just really unusual very <laughs> and did they they had a very mild one okay a very mild one 
But it wasn't, yeah, anyway, they ended up going to court, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So back to property, more recently then, you, you've kind of ventured into the, the coaching, mentoring space. How did that happen? Was it a natural transition? Yeah, it was just a really natural transition. Um, people just started approaching me to ask if I did mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I didn't. And um, so I, I just ended up giving some people some free advice on the phone. And then Sean was like, well, you need to be charging people for your time. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know how much to charge. It's difficult, isn't it, to put a price on your own head for those yeah. kind of things. So I actually spoke to Rob actually a while ago and he told me how much I should be charging. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> 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 so I started off much smaller than that and then I've kind of gradually expanded. I'm, I'm somewhere near now. <laughs> yeah, just that sort but, of limiting belief yeah, that we have. At the I think point. that's it. But when I think of the value that people get, and actually it's been great. I really love doing it. And like all my mentees, they all seem so grateful and yeah. so happy. And they all say that I've given them massive amounts of value and, and like life-changing value. Right. Um, so I think, well, yeah, there is a price for that then, isn't there? And, Absolutely. You know, I, I know that I can teach people to do exactly what we've done. Um, you know, and, and build themselves a six-figure income in a very short space of time, you know, that's, um, you know, entirely achievable. Well, you were mentioning as well that you just love to bring, you love being around people, you love the energy, and you love to bring people along for the, the ride. You like to, yes. yes, you're charging for your services, but you're you're providing a massive amount of value and we've got a couple of mutual friends who are, who are already very successful in property but not with this particular strategy and um, both of them had spent a bit of time with you and one, one of my friends and she won't mind me saying that Laura Muse you've you've converted her she hated <laughs> selling accommodation she'd had her fingers burnt and after spending a day with you then she was just like oh my goodness she's off buying somewhere in the Peak District so yeah um, I, I know that when people speak to you I think you've, you've got quite an eloquent way Way of, of breaking down what can be achieved as well and, and also you're sourcing properties a lot of the time that are on the open market you don't necessarily need to negotiate huge discounts for the strategy to work no well i mean we do usually get a discount but they don't have to be huge discounts yeah. but what we tend to buy is when we look when we're looking on right move we always look for the oldest properties to be to have been listed yeah. And the reason is because they've always got an issue. They've mm-hmm. always got a problem. There's always a reason why somebody doesn't want to love that property. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones that we, we buy those properties because, yeah, they might have an issue. I mean, Robin Hood's Bay, that when we bought that, had this extension on the back that had all kinds of structural defects. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just pulled it down and built a new one problem yeah. solved yeah. but most people don't see that they don't yeah. see that you can do these things every single property that we have purchased has been a problem property yeah. when we purchased this we arrived with the keys and there was a there was literally a waterfall coming through the ceiling our house that we've just bought and renovated that we live in when we picked up the keys for that the ceiling had fallen down and we're on the floors wow <laughs> so we always buy these problem properties that nobody wants and then you can negotiate a bit of a discount yeah Although saying that, we actually offered more than market value for the house that we've just bought yeah. for us. Um, it's a bit different when you're home though, isn't it? It's like all your negotiation skills go out I the know, yeah. <laughs> well, we just did that on another one as well, actually. One, one that we're just renovating at the moment, which is at Askrig. It's called Skeldale House. And mm. um, some of you will probably recognise this building. It was actually the veterinary surgery on the original series of All Creatures Great and Small. Wow. So, yeah, we've, ju- we've just got that one. And it was on for... Or, um, offers between 550 and 600 and I just said we'll give them 600 take it off the market now that's got to go in our Yorkshire portfolio I used to love watching that program with my grandma when I was a kid so oh. it's got all those kind of heartwarming memories of sat there drinking my Horlicks knitting with my grandma and watching that at the same time you know it's just really nice and I thought that we've just got to have it it's just so 
like Yorkshire, isn't it? Yeah. To have that. So it's just got to go in Maison Parfait. <laughs> oh, love it. So you're quite proud of your Yorkshire roots then. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, we love Yorkshire. You know, everybody does. It's God's own county, isn't it? So, yeah, you although know. the Scottish see that as well. They say, <laughs> yeah, they say it's God's country, but I'm, uh, I, I class myself as a Yorkshire girl now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, so it's really interesting. So what, where do you see the future taking you Sarah? Well I think very much in the same direction at the moment we've got a few more um, purchases in the pipeline mm -hmm. um, and I think you know we're going a bit bigger what we're also doing now is we're doing more JVs we're actually doing some JVs with the people who've worked with us from the very beginning okay um, that's another thing with me sort of you know bringing everybody with yeah. us on the on the success path so there, there are certain people there's Christine who runs um, she well she she was running the property sourcing she's now our full-time project manager Christine's yeah. also been my best friend and business partner since you know for many many years in our other businesses that we had before um so we're, we're doing a jv with christine we've just actually exchanged on a property in whitby mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be maison mouette which Ooh. means house of seagulls because oh, <laughs> it's so it's at whitby it's the seaside so it's going to be um yeah we're going to buy up a few properties um on the coast and christine's going to fully project management them and everything and I'll bring the investment in so that's how we work in that one and then we've got Josh and Tom who are our site managers yeah. who are also tradesmen Josh is a builder Tom's our electrician and they've been so dedicated um, since they started working with us from the very beginning so we've just set up another company with them and we're just looking for a property to purchase in that as well so so we're doing that so we're, I'm trying to kind of step away from the properties as yeah. such I now want to focus on other things i love the mentoring love the training mm -hmm. i'm um holding a, a serviced accommodation mastery retreat at needsley hall next month nice. um but i'm also planning to do a few of you know a few more things like that some of them on a smaller scale as well for real newbies which a lot of people are asking me for at the moment well we were talking about collaborating on a, a sort of a, yeah. a high -end retreat for a property absolutely well. yeah definitely it's just such a good thing to do and the, yeah. you know there's such a lot of interest out there people are really really wanting to do this i think that covid has made a lot of people realize they either want to step up the game yeah. Yeah. or they want to have a complete change people don't want to de be dependent on a job anymore mm -hmm. um and you know people again have realized how precious time is and they want to be able to spend time with the families on holidays doing things they want to do and you can't do that when you're in your job can you <laughs> but you yeah. can you know once you've got your your property income sorted you can um, pretty much do what you want <laughs> so so as you've become less operational and you've scaled your team and i know you've now got like your operations manager and your, your site managers like you say your project managers yeah what kind of challenges have you faced around the scaling the business side of things yeah um i mean you know it's always a challenge um but i think what we've always done which again probably it is a leap of faith to do this and probably most people wouldn't want to do it but we've taken the people on before we've actually grown that extra bit yeah and that's been real key so when mark our operations manager came to us mark was actually a friend of ours before we loved mark he worked for thomas cook at the time and when they went you know bit tits up um yeah. <laughs> mark was stranded in cuba at a bar but jobless and then um, oh, i i knew how brilliant he is so i gave him a ring and said do you want to come and work for us and he said well yeah i can at the time we only had um Ayers, Garth, nook and harrogate we'd not even we just bought we were just buying this one so we only had two properties yeah. and he says well i can but i'm gonna need a, a a wage that matches this one and i was like well what's that and he was like 30 odd grand and i was like 
Mm. Okay, yeah. yeah. It, we, we could we could barely afford to pay him it, but yeah, okay, me and Sean won't take a wage and we'll pay you instead because we know that we're going to need you ne- next because we've got York coming on, we've got others in the pipeline, we know we're going to grow, so this is absolutely necessary. You know, and as soon as we could see Mark getting a bit busy, well, let's get an assistant, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and now I need a PA and now, a, you know, a financial assistant as well. Yeah. And all these people have all come on. I think I, I know when we're going to need them and kind of preempt that. Love it. Yeah, yeah I love that. You're, you're, and now you can focus on the things that you enjoy, like you see, like the building relationships, the mentoring, the mentoring, the yeah, and also the writing because I, I love writing. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a writer. I think I've always known I was a writer. I think you know when you just you you kind of one true passion that yes. follows you through life, and yeah. mine is writing. Um, so I've really got several books up my sleeve. I've got several that I've already started and never got around to finishing and I just need to get on and do some writing. So I've got a couple of books I'll be writing around property and entrepreneurism, one of yeah. them aimed at teenagers and young adults, which will be just going out as a free ebook because I just want to get the information out to people. Um, and let, let, let me just stop you on this one then because I think this is important. It's a subject as a mum of three that I'm hugely passionate about as yeah. well. What, what, what kind of things that will you be putting in there that teenagers aren't hearing at the moment? Well, I think everything that they're not hearing from school, which mm-hmm. is basically they go to school and, they, you know, you, you must do these, you must um, get good grades in your academic subjects. And if you don't, there's nothing for you, mm-hmm. basically, is what they're told. It's completely untrue. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely untrue. You know, most entrepreneurs who've done really well for themselves haven't done very well at school. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there are a whole host of teenagers now that have suffered either because they were always of that mindset anyway and they just didn't do well with education or they have suffered because of covid and they've not got the grades that they wanted and Mm -hmm. i just want to point out to them that it's not the be all and end all you know what you're going to do if you do really well like your teachers tells you to do you're going to end up being a teacher Mm -hmm. is that what you want to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) or do you want to be a multi-millionaire or a billionaire like uh, richard bronson and me (laughs) because that's what i want to be that's what i want to do um i got kicked out of sixth form i didn't do very well at school (laughs) but it hasn't it hasn't harmed me in the long run can't wait to read that one and what's the other book that you're working on so the other book is um, the maze on perfect way which is just going to document our whole journey of um basically what we've been talking about today yeah. where we come came from how we've done it in a lot more detail um and where we're going to and hopefully that will give people you know some information that they can then model and um build their own success stories with wow what you've achieved in three years in property is nothing short of outstanding um you've been a phenomenal guest where can the listeners um, that aren't connected with you where can they find you Sarah? well you can find me on facebook mm-hmm. I've, um, I've got an essay mastery group on facebook so if anybody's yeah. interested in learning a little bit and getting some free information that's mm-hmm. um essay mastery with sarah mcdermott so they can go on there um also you can email me at sarah with a h at maison m-a-i-s-o-n and then a hyphen and then perfect which is papa alpha romeo foxtrot alpha indigo tango echo dot com brilliant yeah. you've been an absolute <laughs> superstar i hope the listeners have got as much value from it as i have um, it's been an absolute pleasure thank, thank you, you Sarah. thank you very much that concludes another episode of the power of property if you've enjoyed today's content please make sure you leave a review subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you feel would get value from it it really does make a difference until next time goodbye <laughs>